This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That got for you um, the most decorated player from the Inverclyde area and in terms of football what was football like growing up for you around this area football was everything from the moment you woke up to the time you had to go to bed especially in the summer you know it was just school holidays you had done other things and up the hill going arrows made bogeys always kicked the ball whether there was bus boys, whether it was kicking a can, whatever. Street football as well, we used to go down and play each other on the streets. And what kind of kicked it all off for me as well was I was playing with adults when I was five, six, seven. And the, all, the, all the streets would all get together, we all East Street, Popper Street, and Mitchell Street. And they got to not the public park up at Port Glasgow, but I was in the railway line behind the Gibson House is where we stayed at Bobber Street. We'd walk along, the grandfathers, fathers and sons, all playing in the same game. And it starts at one o'clock and finishes at five on a Sunday. So that tells you how much football. You couldn't get away from football. You played on the streets and that's where you honed your skills. For instance, me and my brother Andrew, who's now, Andrew died about 10 years ago, me and him used to play a game, there were steps up to the houses, and we used to always, and this is when you think about it, that's your coaching. <laughs> we would hit the first ball, the ball would come back, so that'd be one, then go up to two, step three, four, and if you hit the third one, you had to go back again. <laughs> and you're reacting to the rebound after the step. And you play a game of Kirby, but we would just try and kick it in instead of throw it. You know? So these things all come into it, and even when they were going to buy somebody, there was a Kirby and there was a one, you don't want to have the one and you buy them. So, and that's easily described now at Largs. So, I mean, it was everything to everybody in the game and up there because it always went back to let's get a wee game of football. In terms of yourself, obviously we'll come on much later to talk about Morton and, and, and obviously playing for the club and, and coaching there. How did the move to Aberdeen happen from someone in the west coast of Scotland to go to the north east of Scotland at a young age? Well, I don't think a lot of Morton fans appreciated me when I went there at first. And uh, they still don't because I was a Greenock boy and they must have thought I'd be traded the club because I, I was a Morton fan. And we used to see the reserve team games and we used to see the floodlights on made all in mass down there and duke in about six different places or get a punt in, you know. So I don't know how the bad feeling went between someone but uh, there was a there was a scout called John McNabb who was a magnificent person and John stayed in Prospect Hill Street with his, his son and his wife. And he watched me for 18 years. So they must have seen me in schools football, and they must have seen me in BB football, and there was in, and there was all amateur football as well. So 
at that time there was heaps of leagues and you know and the, the structure of it was fantastic and that's why the 60s, 70s, 80s shown through a lot of teams and they've done well and they were getting promotion for in Europe and all that and doing up, uh, winning trophies in Europe and getting to quarters and semi-finals and it was all homebred boys all over Scotland I would say but uh, once, once they took the teachers and the janitors away from their what do you call it their work yep. with the football side and the netball obviously the same the curriculum was all changed and I think a lot of people lost out in that because we had 12s, 13s, 14s and 15s. Oh God, it anyway. It's a shame. No, but, uh, it was a big structure and it worked. It didn't matter whether we were a or Catholic or whatever. There were scouts, there was different leagues all over. So, And also, there was a street to play football. <laughs> well, you think now everybody with cars, it's... Well, there was about one or two cars, you know, and uh, still was moaning about it, but couldn't stop us for playing. It's a, it's a thing from the past that there's a lot of, you talk to the people who are playing or training in the 60s, 70s, 80s, to the day, that could in my glass one. The training facilities are first class, but they're too expensive for the hire. in terms of obviously that move from Greenock to Aberdeen, when we think about your era with Aberdeen, everybody I suppose focuses on Sir Alex, but you were there before he even came into the club, Billy McNeil, McLeod and others were there. What was life at the club like before he arrived? Well, Jimmy Bonthorn signed me. And that was when uh, John McNabb took, took his time and get me up there. But, uh, when I up there, Jimmy Bonthorn was a gentleman. And he had inherited the team that just won the Scottish Cup. And he was the assistant manager and the trainer. So it's different because players are your mates. And then you become a, ma- a manager. So I think he found the transition hard because he never really got to the places that he wanted to get to because Eddie Turnbull left for Ridge and I think maybe Eddie was a brains we had on him but the, the boss did, I was thankful because I came for the ship gas. I was in the, the Lith- Scott Lithgow training centre and he came from the Catsburg shipyard to the Port Rovers and then me John, me John McNabb scouted us. I was up to Aberdeen and I've travelled my wages. <laughs> it was unbelievable when I got a £100 signing on. Bobby Street with us, was with us. He was a local boy as well in Europe. The two of us went up together, that's what we've done at Aberdeen. But, uh, Jimmy Bonstone did say to me, he says, look, if you want to continue with your uh, apprenticeship as a plumber, John, you're more than welcome, I says, no, I'm not a footballer. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. You know, but he was good to me, he gave him a debut, aye, and I was a regular, but I was struggling to be, I was a regular 
in the reserves because we went for 18s football the reserves and I was good in training all week which they noticed they couldn't get a game because you, the players that didn't get a game on Saturday and the first team was going into the reserves and he says to me I'm going to farm you out because uh, you're not getting a game time he says you're working hard John he says oh, you'll benefit off it and I'm a heart where am I going he says Peterhead I says, I don't know where Peterhead is, boss. He says, it's another 28 miles further north. And at that time, I was, I was engaged to Katie, my wife, and I was 17. Yeah, so, and to be honest, it was the best thing I've done because I could have been lost to Aberdeen because I, I was going down the road every week instead of watching the game or playing. I was going down the road back to Greenock to see Katie. But then that, that distracted me. And uh, we actually... Same with Peter Head, and they loved us. They loved us. <laughs> they, they, and I went there, we were away up north every second week because Peter Head and Fraserburgh, yep. we call it the Brock, the, the Bucking Derby, you know. They, I ended up top goals playing left, wide left. And I was about 14 goals that season. And uh, Robbie Warrender, who was who was the owner of the place, but he owned half a bucking as well. That's a big area. That's like Inver- Inverness. Or it's like a wee bit Renfrewshire, you know. So and my tax was four pounds fifty, and uh, I was getting my wages. And Robbie Warrender gave me a fiver every week because they just took to me right away. So. Great days. Yeah. The year before me, Wally Muller was out there. Wally Muller was a striker. He scored, he scored 28 goals for Peter Hill. Can you get a game in the reserves? But it was just through accident that Wally became a sweeper in training and the rest of the system. When you go out and get that experience of first team football at Peterhead, when you get back to Aberdeen, does that just give you the confidence and belief that you know you can play men's football and that you should be knocking on the door if you can maintain that form? I think that age, I think you know everything. But I was only 17 at the time, I'm saying myself. There's a lot of people up there who were favourites with the coach and the manager. And I noticed that. And I had to fight against that. And I, I missed out on a lot of things. Whereas the league, the league Cup, I thought I should have been involved in the whole squad, but was left out for somebody's favourite wee player. I'm not mentioning names. And uh, I seen that happening. And, and Alan McCoy came. And Alan was fantastic. Alan was there for about 18 months, year and a half. And that was his, that was as long as he could for Dresden. But he actually he actually got the Aberdeen City all that up again and going to the club and, and everybody believed in everything. <laughs> but he, he definitely got the League Cup helped Ali. And then all of a sudden Scotland came hunting. And there was a squad player with Ali at that time and he, he played us a lot of games. He played me in forty odd games one year. And I never played in the fall because he bought players. So I was bombed out. So that was another kind of slap in the face. And that, but I was determined to tell him and show him what was there. So when Ali left Billy, Billy McNeil came, Billy McNeil and John Clark, 
were fantastic for me. I put the arm around me. And I remember, I still go up to John Clark and see him quite a lot. And he, what John had said to him, he says, well, you're going to be Aberdeen, he says. The boy McMaster's a decent player, because he's seen him in the reserves. His first team was to play at Petaudry, the reserves would play at Parkhead. Because uh, the season ticket holders would then benefit, but now it doesn't do that anymore. And uh, John told me that, he says, I've got his fancy to John. He says, so, right away, he put his head around me. But he played me wide left. And I said, I'm a centre mid. He says, I don't know how to do it. He says, I want to play you wide left. I just sell Arthur Graham, bumper, for 140,000 to Leeds United. He says, he's four or five weeks. I've got a player in, he plays wide left, John, I'll get you in the centre mid. No problem. Dogs abuse for four or five weeks. <laughs> Anybody wearing a seven or a we get dogs abuse in Aberdeen or anywhere, I think, because you're not doing anything. So I've done my, I done a bit of trade with the boss and he, he brought in Ian Scanlon and I sat, I sat in midfield with Andy Watson and he, he also bought Gordon Strath and Steve Archibald. Very shrewd. And Big Billy was there, the boss was there for about a year and he left because he, he got a shout. And to be honest with you, the two of them loved it. He says, you can go in the morning, go in the evening for a meal with your family and you wouldn't have any abuse, whereas in Glasgow, <laughs> we won 5 nothing. you still won 6 nothing. We get beat half Rangers, you're still going to get a badge. So, so he loved that, not bringing them up there. So, and then I met, I met him, just at uh, the beach end, just at, when you come out the tunnel, I was doing a wee bit of exercises. And I was introduced to Bill McNeil. And I met the boss a year later in the same circumstances. And it was a wee bit weird, weird that, but it was meant to happen. But once the boss came up, he knew he'd done his homework, but we got the boss because uh, St. Mirren, there was a fallout with what was going on at the club. And uh, Chris Anderson, who is his vice chairman, was on the, he used to be on the SFA. And he uh, was hearing good things about Alex, and the boss, Alex Ferguson. But still in Albion. Yeah, he's still in, and uh, St Mirren, which everybody knew when they were eating out there. He says, I'm doing got him as soon as Billy left. In the mess of it. He was a visionary of the club, Chris Anderson. He was a fantastic man. He used to go to reserve games first team, come and talk to the youth, you know, and he was fantastic. And he, what was through, Billy McNeil and that, getting Stevie Archibald, and the club can then build the stand, and the south stand, and the ball seating. And that was, a, that was a vision that Chris Anderson had to the board. And the chairman was different class as well, Mr Donald. And in terms of Sir Alex again, anyone who, who reads this listens to it will know that he's the greatest manager of all time when you look at everything he achieved at Aberdeen then Manchester United. Well, there's a fair argument there anyway for that. What was his initial impact like when he came in at that stage? Because you met him as he hadn't achieved all the stuff he would already achieve at that stage. He was a young, fresh-faced, 36, 37 year old. I didn't realise how young he was. But he was one of these guys that things had to be done yesterday. You know, he, was not, he was a mad rush. And uh, he got there eventually because 
Well, his manner was always great with the people. It wasn't the football side. Because you get this habit of knowing everybody's names. Like when he was introduced and remembering them. And uh, remembering the, the family names and the mums and dads' names. And, and that's, that's, a different, that's another language. As far as when you're trying to get your son to come up to Aberdeen or sign for Aberdeen. And uh, he had that in abundance. He was fantastic with people. And he was miles ahead as far as you can see a game. You can see two passes ahead. And he would make changes and things like that. But he never, he never lost the dressing because he was talking about something too much and describing Tony Fitzpatrick's better. Oh, he wouldn't have done that spammer, you know, John. And he would describe uh, whoever played down there, like the strikers, he was the boy that went to Celtic. Machiavelli. Machiavelli and that. And he would mention that to Lee John and mention it to others. And, a couple of the boys one or two half here but it's a man that's a man that's a man that's a man that he says eventually oh I'm a learner a couple of Stuart Kennedy and that when I'd seen him he says you're going to lose that dress room boss he says because all you're doing is talking about some man he says oh I didn't mean that in that way you know he says that will happen again he was open for that if he'd have been a bit more abrasive he says hey you had this one in an unpleasant way of saying it. But nah, he was open for the uh, uh, things that could maybe improve things, you know. And uh, he just threw himself in it. It's something similar to myself when I came down here. Couldn't get my house sold for a year. Stayed with my sister back up in First Street, Gibbs Hill, for a year until my family came down. And uh, I just threw myself into everything. And I loved it. Football's got that on you. You know, just on Sir, on Sir Alex and Archie Noakes, they always talk, sometimes people talk about good cop, bad cop. Was that ever a thing or was it bad cop times two? It's not existing in two. <laughs> Don't think it got to them two for some reason. Well, put it this way, if HR was involved in... <laughs> if you didn't HR officers, they, they would have got fired first. <laughs> Don't need one of them. We're, we're the HR as well. Who was that, Joe? <laughs> oh, Knox was fantastic. We did good. We did. Knox. Knox is a strong man. Yeah. And he's a... Uh, I got him when I was about 25, 26. And I was envious of what he was doing with the kids. And I watched him all the time. He was great with him. And he went down to their level. You know, and... Uh, and they brought a whole class through with the boss. But they inherited that from Dylan McGill and Joe Clark. But the two of them would go down to the car park. They've been at Pataudry, haven't they? Yeah. And yeah. You see the car park? It's a red ash opposite the stadium. That was your training park. That was your training park. And then you know where the North Sea is? Yep. That was your training park. The sand. And the uh, public parks, seating, you know, the barracks, that was your training parks. We won trophies on the Red Ash, opposite Patodra. And no doubt the Bears, the Teddy Bears of 72 and uh, the Lions of 67, done the same. They didn't tell me the hell. 
in terms and of... And they used to go and watch the youths. On a Thursday night, they would be training on a Tuesday, Thursday night. And I'm saying him, didn't they have a game? They would go and watch the youths and mingle with their mums and dads. That's, that's just so classy. When you think about getting well, everybody on side. Getting everybody to a situation where... I trust them, and I want my son to go there, you know. Everybody didn't like him, but he hated, he hated losing. But as an my girl used to say to me, he says, we all hated losing John, he says, but somebody's got to lose. And as the boys just kept on, <laughs> he had that driven. He had a lot of runners up, so I never even talk about that, now, you know. So, but his mentality, was a one 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 because as soon as he came up because of him being an ex Rangers player he had that mentality about I had to win all the time and he says to us he says we need to go to Glasgow and win and beat them for us to get recognised by everyone not just by our own fans by their fans we got to the stage at Rangers and Celtic fans that I had me doing here Hated going against you. Hated going up to pathology because we want to get on and get in with these stuff like that, you know. And uh, the only ones that really gave us a problem, or the only person that gave us a problem was Andy Ritchie. <laughs> because it got to a stage the boss just didn't even talk about the game when we were playing Morton and he was playing. But we gave Morton a few downs, which Andy forgets. So, they're in the heat. I'll keep up with the big man. But uh, Morton at that time were a very good side. And Benny Rooney and that were friendly with Bill McNeil and that and the boss knew that because they all used to all mingle on a Saturday. That's what they done. Now my gosh says that. He says all the managers, coaches, players, they used to mingle up in Glasgow and have a night out. And we're getting a good, uh, a good evening and talking about the results and all that. So it was brilliant the way it was, you know. But uh, the the Morton thing, aye. The big Andy terrorised uh, a few of the players. Uh, and Big Jim. A few times. <laughs> Just see on that kind of era. I mean, people, I suppose you could say, I'm saying it flippantly now, but you think that was a period of real domination from Aberdeen, even domestically. Two league titles, four Scottish Cups, two league Cups, under obviously when Alex is there. He leaves and later on there's still another wee bit of success to come. Um, obviously, in, but just before the, the late 90s. When you think of that era, you strong characters, you yourself, McLeish, Miller, Strachan, Cooper, so many others. What was it that just made you so dominant? Because teams have tried it for decades since and never got close to challenging Celtic Rangers in that way, never mind beating them. Well, according to David Proven, we weren't, we didn't dominate the 80s because they, they won four leagues, according to David. But we had three leagues. And it was unheard of in the Scottish Cups and League Cups. And the, the wee man forgets about the two European trophies we won in the 80s. So, there you go, David. And I know David well for the Port Roberts days. Uh, but he just established a winning mentality. And, he says, and the first thing he done was get us to come down to, Pato- come down to Glasgow and win. Back up the road, the winning mentality started in training. 
as soon as you went in there and I won the one, you had to be sharp as a tack. Because if you went in with a dodgy haircut, you get slaughtered. Oh, slaughtered. And if you couldn't survive that, you couldn't survive the training sessions. And if you couldn't survive the training sessions, you couldn't survive playing with them and then try to get to that level. The fitness levels were brilliant. The camaraderie was brilliant. The winning mentality is already there. Want to win at snooker, want to win at table tennis, want to win golf, whatever you played, there was an edge to everything. And that just all trembled all the way through the team. And uh, there's a couple of these simple things that he would tell you about a referee. Because of the way they used to treat the referees, Rangers and Celtic players. The likes of the referee in a hole, then. Steve was calling my heart, going to the referee and getting booked and complaining. So the next time, five or six, he's got to the ref. Can't get his off. Be diamonds like that, or don't turn your, don't turn your back on the opposition, especially the Jimmy Johnsons, the Willie Hendersons, the David Wilsons, the Kobe Lennoxes. Because he <coughs> just thought, as soon as there's a foul, and we'd go up and you'd be running away and he'd just touch and run at you. So, these simple things like that. And the auntie says to his one of those, which is a diamond, to be honest with you. He turned around and said that he, right, here's a referee's description of the old film against us. What would you do if somebody came up and stole your wallet in the street? Where were you? Trying to F them. And obviously take my wallet back and lay something on them. He says, Well, you've seen that. The referees, the decisions he's making, stealing your bonus money. That's your bonus. Now, how often do you get comments like that? Again, it's, you always think Brian Clough famously talks about football being a simple game, but when you've got an analogy like that, it keeps it simple. It just increases that motivation. It's like it's like you getting beat at a game of tips. And, or a game of head tennis and there's money on it. You know what I mean? Plenty of win. <laughs> but funny enough, we never thought about the bonus. Right, we talked about the bonus before games and that. But that didn't stop me from winning and losing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, so we always are winning a tally. So as soon as he inherited that squad and he knew he had a good balance, he knew where he was going. And we got a, we, we got a trophy within a year. With the boss. The last one as well, the last league cup. And they found out a lot of things there. Some of the players there were just happy to be in finals. And I've frozen it. No, I've frozen them up first Scottish Cup. That was with Bobby McNeil. And then I learned myself off that, you know. It took me three finals to actually become a winner. And when we won the, the league trophy for the first time, 5 0 at Hibs, I remember coming up to him on the bus and saying, Thanks a lot, boss, that's my first league winner's medal. And he just brushed me aside. And he says, 
I might go to his palmer, he says, sit down and enjoy yourself. And I like that sort of play with yourself. But he, he got a lot of satisfaction. First thing I'd done uh, after the game was get everything out. Everything. And then he did it to be said. I was not see you on Monday. I was always get it sorted. Get it done. I'm not waiting on Monday. I mean, murder somebody. <laughs> so, he was always straightforward. Very third person. He, he, was great. he was great with his knowledge of coaching and that. But he got a perfect partner for that's in First quarter. First quarter. He obviously won far more games than, than you lost under him. How did he react to defeat in the sense that you mentioned earlier he hated defeat and you mentioned there as well he wanted something sorted right after the game. So how would he handle that if he felt that you'd let him down with a level of performance for whatever reason? Well, he did say, he did some canny thing about we uh, and one of them the screaming and shouting job. But he's going to Rangers. He made a big one now. And he turns around and says, that was the best we played. So it was it's like comedy. And it is anyway. But before that, he'd already got a few do. I think he beat once or twice before we played him in that game. And uh, he says, not good enough. More than they would start. Throwing bananas and what would be the, the furnace, you know, the blast furnace. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Helps out. Blast furnace. Man, you might have think Helps out is bad. Blast furnace. That was where it was. And if anybody came in the door, they got a blast furnace. He did. <laughs> so, no, he would just sort of. He didn't like that. He didn't like that. Waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Get it done here. Get it over there. And there was a perfect example. He got a couple of boys or something like that, and the, the nightmare took him off at half time. But he, always, but he always played them the next day, or in the next game. So he never had help, no grudges, because he knew the balance of players that could handle that criticism. That was his mechanism. Him and Archie knew that he could go through a few of the players. Talk back, you know, it wouldn't have been madness or anything like that. It wouldn't have been blast furnace stuff. But we've still got a few blast furnaces. I've got them, I think. I don't want them really too much because I've got the book. You'll see it if you get it. It's, it's, quite, it's quite a lot of that stuff. And there's a lot of caring side to that. See, in terms of the domestic You just change your whole routine here, don't you? Because it's half the cost. Oh, that's what you do, actually. See in terms of the domestic success, as much as the Cups meant a lot, did the titles mean more in the sense Title. that marathons and you, it's not just, you know it's like people can say luck of the draw, there's no luck when you win any league title. Titles, especially for me, it was my first one, and the man I've done it. Been doing the Hibs, beating Hibs 5 0, decent team, away from him. And that's all you see is red and white. But Hibs was a notorious ground for winning leagues. Rangers and Celtic had won there as well. And I must have got pissed off there. <laughs> but uh, I can remember it well. Man Ryan. Man Ryan, Andy Lewis was magnificent. Scan was magnificent. Archie Ball, great balance. Great team. Back force, speaks for itself. You know? 
he went there and Jack McNamara was my assistant manager at Morton and I joined Morton with Alan McGraw and when I went in there he says wow and he says we were on three times the bonus that day he says Jack you need to be on a million pounds and we just all covered you no worries then Celtic grew on each way St Byrne or something and Partick for so high to beat us with 12, with 12 goals <laughs> in the rearrange game at the Firhill wasn't going to happen was it? it's really like we bet the holes in my life so that was that was when he became he says we're a one trophy team he's just always a master of that motivation and then he says he would always say, pre-season training, let's go again. Couldn't have been two trophy team, three trophy team, four trophy team. He said he kept raising, 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 raising. See, in terms of the European matches, before we obviously talk about Gothenburg itself, did he change his approach at all to European games? Or did yeah, he was very thorough. He was more thorough. Actually, we'd, we'd, actually we'd go scouting whenever he could, and so would he. And uh, or if we get someone that trusted, and uh, we would have so much information for individuals. See, this is a player. This is the guy you're playing against. This is what he does. Don't mess about. Read it, take it in, sort of. And that was the way it was. Done it for every individual on the team. Because it'd be Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and the game was Wednesday. <laughs> Tuesday would be more relaxed. But it was, it was mere, I would say, setting up stuff and stuff like that. But getting into the heat. They're not an easy team to beat, they're a hard team. But we took, a, we took a few turns in Europe before we became champions. And we learned, I took my medicine. And it uh, all started going right when the Ipswich came, more or less, convinced us that what we could do. Yeah, we was phenomenal. I think Mick Mills is still trying to recover for it. <laughs> he was demoralised that day. Peter, best, best piece of wings, wingsmanship I could think of that night. What a display. In terms of that Gothenburg run, when I spoke to Willie Miller, he pinpointed the Bayern game as being incredibly tense and once you get through that, you kind of believe you can do anything. Would you go along with that? It was the best atmosphere. I came on as I saw. In the 62nd minute, and within two minutes, we're up 3-2. I've been involved in the two of them, simply because of his substitution. And it was stout as usual, 21,000. And the Germans were superior. Seemingly, they were up the day before in Union Street buying crystal and all that and thinking, because it was nothing each over there. We hammered them nothing each yep. over there. Dougie Bell ran riot. Couldn't handle Dougie Bell. And they came to the game and we're doing through one. My boss. She spun up and wound up and on. We were only getting the ball through quick enough. We were getting in midfield. Semi and uh, Neil Simpson, you know, Cooper. Normally just terrorising people, but they get terrorised, you know. And we're not really getting on the ball quick enough to put the ball through. So I, I, I'm on right away. And 
But before that, they took on Sir Kennedy. He played right back and Stuart. And Dave Stuart was full back. Best I played against. Played with and against. And uh, what he done is he took Stuart off. Well, Stuart and I had a discussion on the back. I'm not for nothing. You know, you look at him. He says, take him. I'll do you a big thing. And we're big to get the right back. But Neil Cooper went to left back put me in the midfield. And within a minute, we got a free kick. In the 18 year box on the left hand side at the King's Training. And the wee man gets the ball. And we knew it was all going to, I want to fuck this up, Spammer. So everybody knew. As soon as the two's got together, because we took corners and all that as well. Together. And it's when we got some. Until I said, I took my clubs. Started complaining about two men being after park at the same time as illegal. And one club begins with R, and the other club begins with C. <laughs> right, so anyway, we get the free kick, and the wee man puts the ball in. Everybody's keyed up, everybody apart from the crowd and the journals. Like my face goes off, back goes What feeling? Two each, but we're still out. Now, I remember saying, Johnny Hewitt, Miss Fuji, how much the boss had trained us into sort of trying to get one in mentality and he had. Johnny, Johnny was only about what, 20? 1920. He wasn't bothered about Sora, right? He was mere worried about getting a ball in the centre of the park and getting the no getting the game started again. Because the generals, Sam Depp, that bloody right. He goes into the back of the net, gets the ball, sprints up into the half wheel and bang. Within, I would say, 30 seconds of the kick off, they were still stunned. The ball came out to me in wide left area, and you can just see it on YouTube. It's you don't see me, but I've hit a ball. One of the balls I always do is 60 yards diagonal right to the back post. And Eric Black's up there as if he's standing on a chair, an imaginary chair, because he, he had a fantastic skill, Eric, honestly, just hanging there and waiting. And, and he heads it against the bar, I think. And Johnny runs in and scores a winner. Johnny picked up the net. A minute before that, two, three minutes, James were all one. And that's when we knew, the boss knew, and we believed that we had a great chance of winning. And in terms of that run, obviously, Sion, Tirana, Poznan, Bayern, the Belgian opposition in the semi finals, I'm not going to try and pronounce the name. <laughs> you get to the final, Gothenburg. Watershy. 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 You get to the final. It's not only Real Madrid, it's the Stefanos Real Madrid. Was there any was there any aspect of an inferior complex when you're getting into that game thinking we're Aberdeen, we're playing Real Madrid here because they are the greatest name in football in many ways? I'll give you this number. Deserves it. Just to... We went to a hotel, a sporting hotel, and the name of the place was Farzad. And the most famous word in Aberdeen is Farzat. <laughs> so that's as relaxed right away. 
But he's not only done this, he's invited Jock Steiner into the official park. And Big Jock is a universal figure in football. And uh, I brought him along, I thought, just because they're good friends. He loves Jock Steiner. A big you see my Facebook, you see it, it's a cover, you know, and in the background it's sitting with Jock Steen. I see that's iconic, you know. So he, he takes big job over and everybody knows Jock, you know. But he brought him, I found out, and I, I said to myself, it's not bringing a big job here just for the sake of bringing it, it's just the way, man, the way big a job managed in their Milan as well in the final. He says to Borski, to Stefano, a bottle of whiskey. I love that. Right away. That's him, you know, talking to him. But what he did for the players, Big Jock, was amazing. And the boss knew this effect would be vital. Because we went out on the Tuesday to training in the Olivet. And we all my dad was already out. And we were all marching up and he was worried about his band. And he was saying, there's the stuff there. Well, but Jock walks out with us. And fucking, uh, excuse the language. Not the real ones, I could have started on the jokes, didn't But what we could have done with the Stephanie. The boss is miles ahead of the Stephanie. <laughs> And that's my take on it, and that's the way I felt, because Big Jockstein's just made us all relaxed and we never were talking about him. What do you... Players, it's, what was it, Jennifer? What are your memories of the game itself? Obviously I know you've got the book and you'll go into detail. Raining. <laughs> there's about 12,000 fans there, and every time I see an Aberdeen fan, it must be at least 20, that's about 20,000 fans that's told me they were there. <laughs> But I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I remember the boss telling us before we went out. You want to look at yourself in the mirror after this game and say you've done your best. And that's exactly the way I feel. He's just amazing. He's not going to be like that. And he knew, he, he trusted us. Stuart Kennedy wouldn't have been injured, that wouldn't have got to be honest, but I'd have been on a bench hand. Stuart unfortunately happened, he's the knee damaged in a severe incident. The water shy and they beat us, they were the only ones that beat us 1 0. But we got them 5 1. And Dino Motorana was a hard part game as well at the beginning, it was only 1 0. Aggregate, and that was 1 0 at home. It was a 0 0. We were uh, helping them, you know, so the, the actual the method of how he goes about and he knows. Could I give you a quiz the night before? Quiz? 10 o'clock, in bed. <laughs> That's it. Well, my mother always say, I think Molly probably tells her story. I think one of the questions was to win it. To win the, the prize was how many letters is from Hamilton academically? Hamilton academically. More and more said uh, 21 or something. He says, no, it's not Hamil Hamilton academicals. There's no S. Probably put an S in. The boss says, no, you're not a winner. <laughs> so they were an argument. They were arguing about that. This is right. Everybody, good night. Ah, quiz, quiz, man, else.
When, when you look at obviously full time the celebrations, did it did it take you back to your kind of upbringing we talked about at the start from kicking the ball in the street to thinking I've got a European medal? I remember getting, I remember the picture getting taken and I know the picture I've got a picture in the house and it's me looking away, I'm not I'm talking to Stuart Kennedy. And then I, I'm looking around and I'm seeing the cameras and I'm, I'm, I'm shouting, I remember seeing us. She waved to your mum and dad. Waving my mum. And I said, Alright, mum. And I remember that. Because I just. That, that answers that question there. Because I was wanting to be with them. And you get quite emotional when you talk about me, you know. But I was wanting to be with them. I was wanting to be in your street. <laughs> That event is talked about so much and you know you're always going to be synonymous with that event. But people forget you for when the Super Cup against Hamburg as well. I mean, sometimes I think that's... You might disagree, obviously, but the Aberdeen fans won't forget. But I think generally people talk about Cup Winners' Cup, but they forget you backed it up right away with the Super Cup as well. Well, yeah, it's an unsung cup, in a way, because it's... I think there's about 70 different holders. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think quarters in that, but, but when you look at the holders in the Super Cup... It tells you it's not Mickey Mouse, but it's not spoke about as often as uh, the Cup Winners' Cup and the European Cup. But for me, it's, it's a nugget. You've got these two stars, which we were all fed up, we're probably all fed up with these two stars of Celtic Rangers supporters. Because you know? <laughs> they turn in the Celtic boys, they say, oh, but we've got the big one, and we've got two stars. How would you like a big one with another star alongside that? You know, it's a gloating type, you know, but the, to get to that was a fantastic achievement. And I remember we won the Scottish Cup here as well. And uh, we also get voted best team in Europe by France Football, sponsored by Adidas. And we're top of the league. It was in a magazine, I don't know if you've seen it before. Aberdeen, and then it was Real Madrid, and the Spanish, and the Italian Giants, the German Giants, and the English Giants. Dundee United was in the top 15. You know, top of that. And we got a medal for that after them. First, the best, the best team in Europe. So, my two colleagues who we do leadership with, Neil Martin and Gordon Bosley, and their mate on Aberdeen, David Christie. That's another trophy for us. And I uh, asked about that. He says, Neil turns around and says, Well, at one stage you might have been the best 
team in the world because of the four trophies they won. And we nearly won the league that year as well. We nearly done a Celtic. Now, come on, come on. Aberdeen shouldn't have been there in the first place without this man who and in terms of the success, I mean, you've talked there about that. It's, it's like Leicester City when people talk about what they achieved down south, Nottingham no, Forest. No, Leicester City is not anywhere near that. No, no, no. no. I'm not being disrespectful. No, nobody's in that I don't think it's been ever done before, or again. Well, look at what I was about to say. The thing about that, the achievement not in Forest that year. Not in the Forest, but not in the Forest when the League Cup, the FA, didn't win the FA Cup. You know what I mean? Not in the Forest when the European trophies in the League. So, he's not far away. But, he's done it two clubs. So, for us, that... I would fight my corner with that one. See, see, you obviously refer to him as a boss and so many players that played for him do. What was it like the day that he announced that he was leaving or did he tell you or did you find out? It was a death in the family. You know, it was an emptiness. Emptiness. You know, it was an ending in the era. It's not that steady to say, but it just changed my whole life. But... Did he I try and take you down some, there? Or some family? No. Even in some capacity though? No, not at all, because uh, he knew the team. He knew it. He, either, he inherited a drinking culture. Oh, 100%. But what he inherited was young boys, staff. And it took me back to when I first joined Aberdeen. And pre season, the first pre season I had was, was about 40 players. Him. Pat Stanton, Teddy Scott, and the physical. <laughs> physical. Brian Scott, that was a staff, four staff, 30, 35, 40 players. Four fucking staff. The reason why I'm saying that is why is only people in dugouts these days? Why are they walking around and clapping? They're not entertaining the fans. It's false. Yeah. So anyway, he, he knew he needed a couple of players, and he went down to the chairman, Mr Donald, Dick Donald. What we used to call Mr Chairman, which I don't know who the chairman of it. And he says, hey. she says, Chairman, can I have a word with you? He says, hey, what is it? And he says, I'm needing a couple of players, I need some money. He says, come here, man. Took me into the post room. Showed him a picture of the, the 40 of the boys, Team 40, beginning of the season. Go and work with them. Come back to me in six months and tell me if he's still with me. But don't ever get us any debt. Never went back. <laughs> That's crazy. See, you can go on and on and on, but you've got to work that out. No, of course. How you see it? Because why? Why should I tell you how to work that out? You know, it just it just tells you the rest of the history. 
in terms of his departure when Ian Porterfield comes in, was it different straight away? It was false and it was a, a man came with an English mentality right away, the, the, the away dressing room and the home dressing room was all split up whereas when the boss was there everybody mingled, the youths and the S forms and all, all come up and used the same places, same facilities and gathered and mingled and they lost the family, family atmosphere a lot, they just concentrated on the first team. That was his choice. That was his choice. No, that's in a nutshell, I could go on and on and on, but... Is that part of the reason why, when the opportunity comes up to return to Morton, you decide to do that? I always wanted to play for Morton, but I never got the opportunity. Because all the players that I played against with when I was in Lady Bourne School, then there was a St Columbus or the high school, the Port High, St Stevens. You know, all these the I played against boys that was getting this forms and you know, how's he not getting picked? How's that? How's my not getting picked? He's not getting picked. It's not my fault. I never get picked. But I've got an opportunity to go to Aberdeen. And uh, I think I picked the right choice. <laughs> but I've got to be... I, I watched Alan McGraw in the next bit that was telling you earlier. About, uh, we used to see Frank Gibson. Ford Lakes is on, let's go down and see it. It's a reserve game or whatever. Sometimes it's a first team game. And I'd watch Alan McGraw. And Alan McGraw was a hero of me. And he'd come in for me. And uh, the boss was away at that time. And I phoned him, kept in touch with him. And he'd also encouraged me to go and get my badges, which was an apprenticeship all over again. My coaching badges, which I am a fully qualified coach and a fully qualified you know, coach of coaches. SFA coach. So I've got my degrees with that. I don't need anything else. I know I can look after things. I've done that. And Alan came in first, but Breek in the fourth I wanted as a player coach, assistant, player coach, aye. player manager. And uh, I thought about that because it would mean I wouldn't have disrupted the family. Yep. The three boys hated me and never did. So did my wife. That was, that was really, really sad. But I told him, I said, look, I've got this, I've got this opportunity of coaching, but the boss put it into my head, the seat in my head. Phoned him, I said, look, what's the situation that's happening? He says, I've been offered a job. He says, well, my girl wants me as a player, coach. He says, I've been offered a player, player manager. He says, John, he says, they're not in the Premier, so I played with him, we got an eye in the Prem. He says, you get your coaching. Ten years I was with <laughs> And we were told to sell a player every year, and we done that. And the, the, the total of all them players, the Lilies and the McInneses and the, the Matties, we bought Matties for 100 and sold them for 180. Improved them. And that's what you do as a coach, you improve people. It's not about you. You improve their weaknesses, you don't improve their strength. I've spoken to quite a few players from, from that era as I've talked to you about. They all think I was a bully. That's fine. I must have got bullied over my life then. Well, I was going to say, not all of them have said that. Or, Derek funny Mark. guy, I can, I, can, I, can work, I can work with people who are willing to take criticism. Well, well, I would look at that as if, if it was bullying or it was tough yeah. love. They went on to achieve moves to teams like Leeds United, Nottingham Forest, uh, West Brom Rangers, etc. So it couldn't have been that bad for them. 
And I've seen so many things that was wrong at the capital, but couldn't do anything. But all I can do is in the train, improve players, improve the standard, improve the part-timers, improve the standard. And that was it. Boss was great with me. Norman was great with me. So we chatted. And a lot of people in the house about, oh, John's doing all the coaching and all that and stuff like that. Jackie was there sometimes. He was, there was a commuting between Edinburgh and Glasgow twice a week and I was tired and there was about four or five pubs on the wall. And I said, Jackie, I don't want to talk about, you know, people warming and I says, Spanner, just keep doing me your ten pal, that's all shit. So that's fine with me. In terms of yourself, you obviously were doing a lot of the coaching. Did you ever want to be a manager in your own right? I was. For I did. I did. But I was too loyal. I was too loyal. Without being, did you turn down opportunities? Well, the only, the only time, the only opportunity I did have was... I know he was uh, the manager of Beacon and Proffer. But I might not have lasted that long. So... It didn't do me any harm. But they'd be nice to have been your own manager. And, uh, Obviously, they stayed there too long. You didn't go on to be a manager, but you did work in the, the scouting field and you have done for numerous years at Premier League level, especially in England as well. How much pride does that give you? Because that's the elite of the elite when you think of the leagues. I go back to the boss telling me, do your coaching badges. It's just not an apprenticeship. Once you're in that trade, you're in it. I've been in it since I was 17. And I've, because of the pandemic, that kind of stopped it. And I got an operation on my ankle. I got a total ankle rebuild. Scandinavian. So, he's held me in good stead, his advice. He's always looked after people. And uh, I just feel him telling me that to encourage you to get down and do it. Give me the confidence to even talk in front of people as well because a football is quite It helped me in good stead and uh, also I would say the people who benefited of it was myself and Morton Football Club and the players because it transformed the whole team. The finances that come in over a 10 year period at me and Alan and that was there. And I've not got nothing to be ashamed of about anything in my career. Whether it's criticism of other people or managers or whatever, because I feel I've done as good as always. When you get a remit of selling a player every year, it's difficult. Oh, when you get somebody like Alan McGraw's knowledge and skill of the Bartram, you've got a good chance of getting there. <laughs> He's fantastic. He's a different side. He's a gorgeous man, the same as Fergie, and he'd fight his corner in anywhere. But Alan needed a, a guy who needed to do all the work in the, in the training. He trusted me, and I loved that because he trusted me. And that's, that's a big thing. But Alan would have his fair say, but I'm not having that, I'm not having that. And a lot of people, it's the blast furnace for Alan as well. <laughs> so don't get us wrong or not, he's not a dafty. It's a happy annual. 
he doesn't get sympathy votes for us, he gets the, I would say, praise and how he deals with people. His manner is fantastic and the team should be using him as an ambassador, to be honest with you. He, no, he just always me one of what I was doing. He kept us right with a few things. In terms of yes, yourself now as well, you do a lot of leadership coaches, you've worked alongside Sir Alex and some of them as well. Was that something, again, that was a natural progression, given the fact you'd worked under him, you'd been on the training field in football, you'd done a bit of scouting, was that just a natural next no, step? Yeah. getting the scouting, but I was working. I've done double wisdom, <laughs> done the shirts, and then I've done the market research. And uh, eventually I just got to scouting. And I was on, I was an agent as well. And I was almost doing the agency work, I met David Ledbetter, chief scout in Dillsborough. And he liked to have seen me, and I liked him. He says, you want to scout for Middlesbrough? And I says, I got to say, he was a manager at the time. It's like four years. He left. He left to go to Swansea. And within a year I was at Swansea. I'd left as well because Gordon Strachan took over Middlesbrough. And he took his own men in mail. Which he later apologised about. He <laughs> should have still listened to David Ledbetter. So anyway, I was six years at Swansea. Three part time, three full time. Swansea was fantastic. And Hugh, what's he saying? Jennings. Through No, it's not Hugh Jennings. Hugh Edwards. Through Jenkins. Jenkins, that's Chairman, Mr. Chairman. He was fantastic, wasn't he? And uh, when he left, it was a bit of time. It was a nice time for our life. And Americans come in and, as they do, they just mark everything and look for a pound in there. So, so that was, and then I've done a wee bit with Bradford. And uh, Aberdeen as well, and I've done coaching with Aberdeen. But the coaching badges held me in good stead. But then I've come in there and I met Neil, I knew Neil, Neil Martin, who was at Greenwich Juniors for 38 years. Phenomenal. And Robin and Cosland, they two worked at semiconductors. And I got talking to Neil when I went into the Willow Bar. I used to go in there for a couple of drinks. Don't drink anymore, it was about 15 years. So, yeah, they talk about results in football and there's some jokes. He says, what do you do? Is do uh, courses for universities. Uh, with well, some sort of structure and they kind of pinpointed other stuff, you know, and they were looking for a sport and they going to leadership. But little did we know, I says, look, you know, I might have a few contacts up in Aberdeen, I says, I want to just you to, and if you transfer them, you know, and we're going up and doing the train. You know, started telling them stories. It's not, it's not just stories, there's something behind it, you see. Team leadership, team care, and seeing different, different aspects of it. So I met up in the cafe bar for about eight weeks and got the headlights on me and the Alsatian dogs <laughs> and started quizzing me and all this came about. 
and I'm beginning to say to myself, I'm a legend now, because I'm very difficult. People saying, I'm a legend, what have I done? You know, See, but I'm comfortable. I love being called a legend. Yeah. It's difficult to get that trans transaction from coach to legend. <laughs> but he started doing that, and the more that they dug, the more I was becoming more confident. And they actually done a, a, a sports, what was the, a Scottish qualification certificate that you get. And they, they asked me questions about how many youths did you train? I used to organise all the training, they used to have summer holidays for events. And I would date with the ground staff. There was about 80 kids. So I'm proud of this. So we went to the Paisling District League meeting at Morton Supporters Club. Morton Supporters Club. And he says, bring, bring your assistants with you all the teams and I says to him, I says, look, I don't want to hear any of you boys getting signed by Kermarks and Mirren and D, Aberdeen, he says, I want you to put them through here. He says, in the Easter and the Christmas and the summer holidays, send two or three in, but don't send in your best mates, son. Send in the players that's needing to get the reward. And I responded. And then you know, you sell Archie Gordon for 70 grand. Which I could go on on here, but my bra's bartering. Yeah. And after that, I was. Who was the first event? It was a trio. We were selling players every year. And we eventually, with the money we got for Terry Lilly and Hobby, 600,000 each. 600,000 each over a period of years. 300,000 each for my uh, hood, Reed, uh, Mark McGraw, and Darren uh, McInnes, and Matthew's 180. So we'll work it out. <laughs> what a money. Martin was 400,000 pound in debt. When I left, they won the four hours of time. Or the boss. <laughs> when we left, they won the day. It was great. It was great. Honestly. I don't regret it. I don't regret it at all. So we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and our shells will.